Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 132nd episode of the Truth Island podcast. In the last two episodes, Kenny and I discussed the nature of evil, what makes an evil person, and how this can lead to evil societies. To summarize, evil can be said to derive from exalting oneself to a state that is greater or holier than all others. Evil people need not have evil intentions or even commit many evil acts, but merely the thought that one's existence and way of life are superior to that of others. This can enable a person to enforce draconian measures and even commit atrocities in order to ensure their will is carried out. In many respects, the very opposite of an evil person is a person who is very humble. A person who does not believe that they or their way of life is inherently superior to that of anyone else. An individual who can accurately see their own limitations and flaws is far less likely to impose their will onto others, as they always leave open the room for possibility that they may be wrong about something. Unfortunately, as we push further into the 21st century, humility is becoming a far greater scarcity with more politicians, celebrities, and even public intellectuals speaking with absolute certainty on a variety of different subjects, including areas they know nothing of. The words, I was mistaken, or I don't know, have also become quite a rarity, as to not know something has become a sign of weakness. No matter who we turn to, just about everyone these days claims to be in possession of all there is to know, and yet, when pressed with further questions, we are quickly exposed to all that they do not know. It is said that one of the hallmarks of intelligence is the ability to know all the things which one does not know, but wishes to know. But suppose it is not intelligence that is really at play, but simply the power of humility that is secretly at work. Helping to keep me humble, I am once again joined by Kenny. Kenny, what do you think of this quote? The superior man knows he isn't superior. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, that's um, (laughs) uh, that's actually that's not a that's not a bad one. It's one of one of my friends when he hears things like that, he would roll his eyes and say, "Ah, bollocks." (laughs) 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 But no, yeah, I I think there's some truth in it. But the problem is that the quote even exists. I mean, and if it's said by those who are, you know, well, I know that I'm not a superior man, therefore I am the superior man, ha. It's like, okay, well, dude, you know, calm the hell down. We know what you're doing here. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is that, you know, the truth is, I think that, um, yeah, those who are quote unquote superior or superior in in a sense of humanity or in a sense of there's the ultimate good, right? Those who are actually superior don't give a crack about being superior. They don't care. It's not. It's not like they wake up in the morning thinking, "Ah, what a nice, what a." I just love a, a, a dash of superiority with my coffee. You know, they, they don't care about it at all. When they're doing, when they're doing the smarty pants brainy thing, they don't see themselves doing smarty pants brainy things. It's just being themselves, and it's our measure of them. It's us that cause. We 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 measure them against ourselves, and we say, "No, no, no. They're absolutely better than us." Um, but I, I would say there are people who are better than us, you know, who are smarter than us and, you know, faster, stronger and so forth, but just deplorable human beings. 
you know, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. So it really does depend on how you know what the measure is, what the standard is, or, and it depends on the kind of people we're dealing with. So I I I, I guess you know when I wrote that quote, I'm thinking of it in terms of the and it's kind of like a play on what Socrates says that you know like I am ignorant, right? And it's leaving the room. Is leaving a healthy space open of like, here is all that I don't know. Here is all the ways that I am inadequate, right? I might be really good at this one thing, but I'm totally inadequate in a host of other things, right? And yeah. I, I think that this, the, let's say, person who considers themselves to be superior, it's not, they don't necessarily just consider themselves to be superior in cooking it has a way of like blending into all other facets of life, right? Like, like they're a superior chef, but they're also a superior volleyball player. It just seems to bleed into every, into facets where it just doesn't apply. Whereas I, I think that some level of understanding comes to the point where, okay, I know, I know that there's so many people that are, are just wiser than me, so many people that who are just more knowledgeable in these specific domains than me. And who am I to say that my brand of superiority or who's to say my brand of knowledge is superior to that of anyone else? It's like, I always have this like vision in my head of let's say you have a PhD biologist, right? And, and he's living in this very nice home and he hires a contractor or a carpenter to come do some work on his house. Like it, it would be easy for that PhD biologist to be like, well, you know, I, I work with my mind, you work with your hands. And, and that right there is like, I, I think on the road to evil, right? Right then, right, right then and there, like, oh, well, I work with my mind. I have a doctorate in this and that. You here, sir, working with your hands, where it's like, wait a minute, this carpenter, is vastly superior in working with their hands. They have a vast knowledge of, of infrastructure, of architecture, of, of cutting tiles and so forth. And I think taking, taking splendor and joy in the superior, superiority of others sort of negates your own superiority. Yeah, I mean, that's, one, that's, uh, that's what part of what humility does, is that humility learns to rejoice in others rather than in, in itself alone, if in itself at all. So, yeah, I mean, looking looking at other people and saying, and, and first of all, you're right. I think that everybody's going to be superior, you know, um, supreme at one thing, um, and far better, you know, so far more superior in one thing than another man is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's we all have to learn learn to be at peace with the fact that we're not going to be good at everything. Mm, and right. um, another thing is that you know. It's troublesome when we, when when we start thinking in those terms of okay, here's the there's the there's the there's the simple matter of facts. Johnny is far better at math than Lu, you know um, Lucy or whatever. Okay, fine, that's perfectly. I mean, it's just facts. It's just it's just what it is. But Lucy is a far you know faster runner or you know far better in English. Mm. That's a fact. You know, the problem now becomes okay when we start you know um because of because of what we admire as a society because of because of where we are as a, you know where we are at as a society what we value more if we value mathematics more or english more whichever one we value more we're going to now raise raise jo either johnny or lucy to an even greater status saying that not only are they better at these subjects but they're better human beings um 
well, yeah, our better, you know, contributors to the, and it, and it, that, that may that may be the case, but it, it keep going, we keep going further and further with it until we get to this whole celebrity culture where this person is actually just a celebrity for the for no reason whatsoever. So it's because of the you know the um, the cultures the cultures um, assessments. But I think that as part of humility, in the sense of when we can re when we can rejoice in other people's strengths, and we can rejoice in them being really good at what they do. I have a friend who tells who says uh, he says I just like it when somebody's up to something good. I just like he likes it when somebody is writing, when somebody is drawing something, when someone is creating something, putting their money to good use, like to build a home or you know finishing a kitchen project. Or, you know whatever it is, he just likes seeing other people not only succeed but actually um, create something. And I think that's a really good attitude. It's, it's not, and it's not just an attitude. It's not an attitude. It's not like this is some weird psycho psychological condition. This is, this is really who he is. It's not, it's not a matter of him consciously trying to be the thing, because that's not who you are if you're consciously trying to do it. It's just naturally who he is, you know. And I think that's a really good place to be. Yes, yes, and I, I think that. Um money, you know, speaking of money and, and, and what you said earlier about what we value things, I think bl money can sometimes blind people to humility, right? And if we say that this occupation pays $45,000 a year, however, this other occupation pays $300,000 a year, it's very easy for the person who earns $300,000 a year to be like, well, inherently I'm superior. The, the work that I perform is worth $300,000. Clearly, clearly the endeavor that I have chosen, the vocation that I have chosen is superior than that of the person that earns $45,000 a year. And I think there's a great, there's, there's a great danger in this um, because as I've discussed on with, with you and perhaps with a lot of others on this podcast, you know, paramedics only earn like $40,000 a year. And if they pick you up the wrong way, if they, if they just slightly pick you up the wrong way, you're paralyzed for life. Like if you get hit by a car and they just accidentally twist your neck in the wrong way, you will never walk again. And I'm like, okay, uh, that seems a lot more important than, you know, investment financial analysts do it. Okay. Again, may, maybe financial analysts do it is worth his grain and salt. Fair enough. But I think that that attachment to monetary value when, when we start looking at human life in terms of how much money we afford that particular person, we make the danger of being like, well, this particular life is more significant, superior of greater value to society than another form of life. And even if that person's not doing particularly anything evil, like a, like I'll use a sports athlete, for example, a sports athlete's not doing anything evil. Like a baseball player is not, they don't have a, they're not, you know, they're not trying to control the financial markets. They're just throwing a baseball uh, across a field and so forth. But I think the danger is for the, when the baseball player says, well, I'm on the Yankees, I earn $3 million a year. You know, clearly I'm better than the guy in the stands, you know, selling popcorn. I think I think there 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 is that that huge danger of 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 thinking oneself superior because of the the monetary estimation that's been associated uh, with their vocation. Yeah, I mean, money is one of those things. Uh, it's, it, it, money is a really big game changer. It, it, it's it's it really money defines so much in this world. We we think it doesn't, but it does. And we also you know, and everybody nobody likes the guy who makes a lot of money. I mean, we all really really we don't we 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 all. <laughs> we don't like the guy who makes a lot of money until we're that guy who makes a lot of money. Then it's all of a sudden, 
hey, you know, it's all, it's all right now. It's like everything's copacetic. You know, no, no. But money's a big game changer. And um, <laughs> the problem is not, the problem is, no, you're not, you're, you're not a better person because you earn more money. You just earn more money. You earn more money than him. Now, if, if you live in a society where better is defined, the, 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 the ultimate human, you said, the ultimate human efforts or the ultimate human, um, the ideal human is a person who has the most money, then for sure, you, you know, absolutely, you are better in that sense, in the, in the societal sense, that, than the person who makes less money than you do. Um, but here's the thing. Here's the, here's the interesting thing about when being better than other people is constantly on your mind, even even drops on your mind. And it, and before I say this, so you don't think, oh, he's just being mean. Well, it happens to me, so I think about this. And sometimes I have to catch myself thinking about either being better or, you know, not as good as this other person. Here's the, here's the problem with that. The problem with that is that it is, it's, it's illustrative of your own, how you say, your own insecurities. It's illustrative of your own, your, 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 your crippling fear that you may not be worth jack shit. And so what happens is you are trying to prove to yourself, grasping at straws, I mean, you are falling off a cliff and you're trying to grasp anything that'll save your life. Because if you hit rock bottom, if you hit that ground and you figure out that no, in fact, you are the worst piece of jack of this world. You know, you're not you're not gonna know how to live with yourself. And so what you're doing is you're grasping at straws, you're grasping at any little branch, any vine, you know, to save yourself from from the total um mayhem that is your failure, your failure as a human being. Wow, I'm real. I love that we've gone in this direction because I want to talk, I actually like talking about that individual of the absolute failure, because even an absolute failure tries to hide behind their virtue right so like you'll you'll it, it kind of comes back to like, like let's say you have someone who's extremely poor oh well i don't need all of these other things you know i i can take solace in my what you know like th there okay. is right, hey, right right there is that guy who and we all have that friend right we all have that friend who's like <laughs> I don't need I don't need fancy cars and houses. I'm perfectly content. And I I know two types, I, I know two versions of that person. The first version legitimately does not need those things and they don't tell people they don't need those things. They just simply live without them, right? And those people are freaking amazing. I, I love, I love dude who has like a flip phone, but doesn't, doesn't show everyone. Oh, I have a flip phone, everyone. I'm so much better than you. It's just, they have it and they just don't care about it. Love that guy. And then there's the other version of that, of like, <laughs> check out my flip phone. I'm not, you know, I'm not inundated with social media. You know, <laughs> it's like, and we, we hate, we hate, we hate that guy. Right. Um, so I, I think that you're right. That there is this need, like a, there is this need to grasp to anything that makes one feel superior. Even the even the most wretched, you know, person in the face of the earth is going to try and grasp onto something, something that will allow them to to hold their chin up high and be like, oh well, I'm enlightened. I I, I know the way. I know this. And this kind of comes into the point uh, that I was going to get to is this idea of virtue superiority. So we have we have superiority as defined by money 
right? Like we, I, I engage yeah. in this vocation that gives me money. For those who are unable to obtain that, they then begin going down this rabbit hole of virtue superiority. And, and this kind of connects with, um, you know, we talked about vegans last time or something of like, I live this particular way of life. I live in a tent. I, I, I sew my own clothing or whatever it is. Yeah. And there's, there's also a, then another form of virtue and superiority mm -hmm. that, that comes in that because if you're not living by, if you have like zero, if you don't live with like zero carbon emissions or whatever, you're inherently inferior. Like I'm superior to you because I live with zero carbon emissions or whatever. And this is just the same thing all over again, right? This this is the same thing. This is like the um, the like underclasses version of superiority. Like they can't define themselves with superiority in the traditional money way. They're defining their superiority by virtue by virtue of their virtue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just as dangerous as the baseball player who's defining his virtue as a result of the fact that he makes $3 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those, it, it's ridiculous because, but it's human. It's totally understandable. It's very, very human, but it's not, you know, it's not one of those things that, um, that we can't live without. We can, but we just we, we we enjoy we enjoy superiority so much. We enjoy putting people down so much because that's the only way that you know we we ever feel any any shred of you know self-respect or self anything, you know. Um, and so the point is simply that when humility, when humility is removed, and here's the thing, people often think that humility is lowering yourself and posturing yourself in a matter of like, oh, I'm not worthy to be here. I am but a worm and a slave. No, no, that's not humility, bro. That's a very self-conscious, um, I would say a self-conscious, like a, like, a, like a personal self, like a, like bringing, how, what's the word I'm looking for? Can you condescend yourself? No, you're going to even, you know, um, lowering yourself, right? You, 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 it's a self-conscious lowering, which is not, that's not what humility is. Because humility is pretty darn confidence. Confidence and humility go hand in hand. Humility is something else. Humility is totally not being about yourself, totally forgetting who you are. When your own ideas aren't even something you hold on, that you can't hold on to them because you you barely remember you hold you, your ideas. You know what I mean? It's almost like a like a self-forgetting. At the while at the same time remembering it's it's very strange it's like when i put on when i wake up in the morning the, the first thing i do is i use the restroom i relieve myself right that is very natural to me i don't have to think about it i can do that i can do that in half half asleep <laughs> you know i can do that half asleep and that's what humility humility is like relieving yourself no <laughs> the point is simply that it's that natural it's that, it's, it's that thoughtless, you know? When you're thinking about being humble, when you're thinking about, I need to humble myself, you're already, listen, you, you're, not, you're not missing the mark, you're way past it. You are already, you're, 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 you're somewhere near pride already. And so, and so the idea that, you know, these guys have to always announce, you know, my flip phone. Oh, yes. Or I, do you not know? Uh, do you not know that uh, cows have feelings too? Well, sure, maybe. I don't, personally, I don't care. But the point, <laughs> the point is simply that, you know, when your ideas 
have to be announced like that. Very announcing of your ideas. You've proven that not only do you care very little, you, you, you care very little for those ideas. You actually care about yourself being seen as a holder of those ideas. But it also shows that even in, in your humble, oh, well, I'm as humble as I am expressing these things, oh, king, live forever. No, you're not really humble. You're pretending to be humble. Humility and sincerity are super easy to fake. All you have to do, all you have to do is, you know, well, you know, <laughs> lower your head, don't make eye contact and put your hands, put your hands behind your back and you, you, you have, an, have a soft, soft spoken voice, you know? <laughs> Uh, I, I do concur, Kenny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I okay now. All right, so we're actually in a very interesting paradox over here. Okay, because if you if you outwardly profess how humble you are, that is pride, right? Like I am so humble. I am so this. I, I am I am beneath all of you. There is, there is like another strain of superiority that's at work there, right? Like I, I am taking solace in the fact that I am superior to everyone else in humility. Like you're actually, you're actually, you're actually yeah. playing a game where you're, you're <laughs> relishing, you're relishing on how superior you are based on your level of humility, which is, which is a trap that I imagine some people fall into. I, I think that, so maybe when we come to define humility it's not something that is like outwardly professed it's not something that's like outwardly seen it, it's more of a state of mind I, I think it's a state of mind that someone's not even aware of where this is what i imagine okay i'm gonna give you a a fictional character which i believe to be we'll call him mr humble in my yes. world i think that mr humble is a person that wakes up in the morning they don't try and do anything extraordinary. Like Mr. Humble wakes up, he has his coffee. He wears average clothing. Like I, I know all of these like hipsters that go to thrift stores. I mean, look at me, I, I got this shirt for $2. Look how, look how uh, you know, trendy I am that I only pay two. I'm like, Mr. Humble doesn't buy things for $2, but he doesn't buy the most expensive brand name clothing either. He probably just goes to Sears and Macy's and buys things that he can get on sale or whatever. And, and that, and doesn't even tell, right? Like Mr. Humble doesn't try and stand out in any such way. He doesn't try and buy very lavish clothing or, or live a very lavish life, but nor does he try and practice the extreme ascetic of like, look, look how much I can give up, right? He's just living the default lifestyle. He's like the default character in a video game. Like he just hasn't been cut customized. He's living that default pathway. And he's not trying to distinguish himself in either lavish goods or in extreme asceticism. He's just living default. And Mr. Humble, in my opinion, is just awe-inspired and impressed by whatever he sees around him. When he sees an artist that's doing an incredible job, he's inspired and impressed. If he sees a carpenter, he's impressed by that. If he sees a talented musician on the sidewalk, he's very impressed with that as well. But he doesn't consciously be like, oh, here's a 20, my good man, like keep up the good work. Like he's just, he's just like, wow, that's really good music. And if he's not impressed, he's also honest with himself. Like he's honest with his emotions. He's like, you know, maybe I could use a little bit of work there, right? He's not, he's not just delivering false flattery out there. There's things that he likes, there's things that he doesn't like. He's not trying too hard to really, um, he, he's not trying too hard to put himself below or above anyone else. He just simply is. And, and that's the closest thing. That's the, the closest visual image I can conjure in my own mind of what 
a humble person looks like or feels like how does that sound to you no i think i think that's um i think that's pretty close there i mean i would say that's that the idea of mr humble being as he is is in fact humility is it is he is a humble man the only place that i would differ is simply that it's not so much i guess no it, it doesn't matter because i think i i understand what you're saying when you said that it's a it's a state of mind i say you're you're I, let me ask you this are you saying that it's a um well, yeah, it's a state of mind, but it's not a consciously held state of mind. It's a, it's a state. Precisely so. So it's not yeah. like he's, Mr. Humble is not waking up in the morning saying, I am going to be the most humble person that has ever walked the face of the earth. He, he just, by virtue of who he is, he just, when he sees a great movie, he's just like, that was great. That was awesome. Or yeah, this you, was a good meal. Thank you, my friend. And he's not trying. There's no effort in trying to be that ultra humble person and there are occasions in mr humble's life where he's like oh, you know I, I think this could use a little work you know because if you're trying to be ultra humble no matter how crappy something is you're going to pretend like it's okay you're going to be like oh this 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 inadequate food or, or this like overburnt chicken is perfectly adequate it's no problem whereas mr humble isn't trying to be humble so he can actually levy fair criticism when the occasion merits yeah, I think I think that's absolutely right because if we when we hold when we hold those kinds of that that kind of idea, you know, um, consciously, you're right. We do sacrifice. We sacrifice a lot for it because at the end of the day, it becomes a religion. It becomes a god, and gods demand sacrifices. And so it becomes one of those things where, you know, we'll be we'll be more than willing to lie. We'll be more than willing to do all the things we stand. We we say we don't stand for for the sake of upholding the idea that we stand for this idea, which is human beings are very interesting creatures. So no, I I, I would say that if um, the, the truly humble man really starts looking like an average Joe, like a mm, really, yeah. like a just a regular, you can't tell whether or not he's humble or not. And he doesn't care whether you can tell it or not, you know, he's just himself, 247. So this is one of those things that we're, we're we, when we when we when we start to di you know dissect these kinds of ideas, we we start finding that what these things actually look like, what these things behave like, whether it's love, humility, generosity, goodness, and so forth, they don't really they don't really look like the um, the traditional image, like what we've been seeing in movies for for decades or or cartoons and or the books we read. Some of them capture pretty darn well. But it start looking very different, you know. Um, at least what we were told most of the time. Mm -hmm. To tell a kid to be humble is like the worst thing you can tell them. You don't tell a kid to be humble, because by telling them to be humble, you're giving, you're making, you're making them, um, you're making them self-aware about their humility, you know. And so you have to go about it a different way. Absolutely, I, I think that you know, as for the past few months, I've been really, really. Um, diving deep into my Lao Tzu and my Taoism. And a lot of these things have to kind of come organically. And this is such a cliched phrase, oh, it has to come naturally or organically. And I think that it, it's often poorly defined what that means for something to become organically. And I think what it is, is that when you try too hard to be something, you try too hard to be humble, you try too hard to be just about anything, 
there, there is that strain. Like I, it's again, my, my words are starting to fade from me because it's so hard to actually explain what exactly this thing is. Mm-hmm. But th- there's a certain way in which if, if you just wake up and you're like, you focus, I, you focus more on your activities for the day and not who you are. So Mr. Humble doesn't think, well, I'm going to go to this dinner event and act ultra humble at this dinner event. He's just focused on the dinner event. That's kind of the state of mind that you have to be where you're, you're just fo- like, you're, you're saying to yourself, okay, at 10 o'clock, I'm going to go to the gym at uh, 1230. I'm going to do this but you're not actually imagining yourself in those situations. Like I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to uh, flex my muscles or I'm going to help this guy. You're just, I'm going to do this thing. And it's a really, it's like, you're almost stripping your language. You're, you're, you know, you're, as Yoda says, you're unlearning so many things. You're, you're really, you're, you're thinking of the world as a kindergartner would me go to gym, me go to dinner event, me do this, me do that. And you're basically just plotting. You're just, engaging in these activities, but you're not really thinking about how you appear in these activities. You're just simply part, a participant in these activities without being all that cognizant in how you come off in that event, right? You're not worried about how other people are perceiving you. You're not worried about like acting humble or acting superior or acting smart. Like so many people, a lot of people are not in the moment because when they're engaged in a conversation, they're so darn concerned about like, well, how am I going to appear smart in this? How am I going to come up with the best counterpoints? How am I going to appear? How am I going to use the most uh, highly flourishing vocabulary, right? They're, they're focused on what they are going to project themselves as, right? And they're so worried about that, they've actually lost what it is that they're participating in. The, the, the words of another just completely fall on deaf ears because they're so worried with whatever image they're trying to project and not actually with the event that they're participating in. Yes. So there's this, Dostoevsky's Brothers Karmazov, right? There's this character who, yeah, there's this character, uh, I believe it was his first wife, um, uh, Ayosha's father. I, I'm looking for his name. I can't find it. I've, I've forgotten it. I think it's. I'm um, really bad. Th- these Russians have like ten names apiece. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have like ten okay. surnames. I know it gets difficult. Oh, Pivot, um, um, Pavlovich, right? Okay. So his first, I believe, it was first wife. This is how um, Dostoevsky describes her, or in events that happened, it says that she threw herself off a cliff. She committed suicide, right? Here's an an interesting part. He said that she would not have thrown herself off that cliff if it was just slightly less picturesque. (laughs) Like- Yes, (laughs) yes. (laughs) Like she imagined her dead, she imagined herself laying down there as a dead person. Said, yes. I would look good there. I would my my dead body would look like a dead body should after it's been thrown off a cliff. You know what I mean? Very dramatic. This, I think you would be. No, no I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you just made me think of a conversation I had uh, with Sam, who, who's a priest who I've had on this podcast before. And one of the things that you know we, we were discussing is: is it ever right to try and emulate Christ? Is that is that an ideal for us to aspire to? And we came up with the conclusion that the answer is no, because 
when we're doing that, we're actually infatuated, not with becoming Christ, but becoming the image of him, right? So we become infatuated with this idea of like, I am going to be the holy martyr who throws himself off a cliff for the good of humanity. And we're not actually living in the moment, right? We're not actually living in the moment of like, what is this achieving? What, what am I actually doing here? We're just infatuated with that imagery of me being the holy martyr that throws himself off the cliff into the abyss and saves humanity. Um, it reminds me of one of these like space movies. I forgot one of, I forgot the name of the space movie where the guy is like, it's okay. I will, I will plunge myself into the sun in order to save humanity, right? I, I forgot what movie that is, but there's this movie that ends with a guy taking the rocket and going straight to the sun. And somehow, I think, he, I think there's a nuclear bomb and he takes the nuclear bomb to the sun and sacrifices himself. And it's like, most people aren't, don't care about saving humanity. They're just obsessed with that image of themselves hurtling themselves to the sun and what that will look like. And that's, yeah. that's kind of like the danger that that's kind of like the danger that, that I think uh, Dostoevsky is speaking about when that woman, she didn't care about sacrificing her life for a noble purpose. She was just obsessed with that image of her jumping off a cliff and then everyone being inspired by that kind of like to, to emulate Christ in some way. No, I, so I believe that. I mean, so if you think about it, man, that's how, that's how we think often, most of the time is that we have we don't often we don't have rational arguments in our head with ourselves saying well if i do this and this no we have images in our head that are the inertial motivators for our you know for our our, our, our actions so we think should i go talk to the girl we don't think oh well do i like her is she um you know is she what i've been the kind of girl i've been looking for what do i know anything about her does she even seem interested in me and so forth no we just see ourselves our machismo cells walking across the room like it's some you know some 1980s movie <laughs> uh, you know and we hit the jukebox jukebox with our you know with our elbows and it plays the right tune at the right time and we walk up to the girl with a coke in our hands and we say something real slick and she's like oh my and our friends are looking at us saying oh man he's so cool i wish i was him and that's that's the image believe it or not that's the that's the kind of image that plays in our head but it happens such a split second and we're thinking to ourselves, I'm going to go do it. We make our decisions like that, you know? It's like the person who goes to the gym, not because they work, want to work out or not because they've even, they've even assessed the work it's going to take for them to do that. No, but they just see themselves at the gym and they, they, they put themselves in a situation where they are doing the right thing at the right time and getting the right kind of response. And you say, yeah, that's, what I, that's why commercials work so well. Okay. that's why commercials work so well because what commercials are doing they're reinforcing those images you're telling you well if you if you this is this is the image we're going to give you with Coors lights or you know corona this is the image so whenever we whenever you think of corona don't have a logical reasonable arguments ask yourself whether you actually like this beer no forget that what matters is do you see this image in your head of drinking corona with all your friends wearing very colorful clothing yes in the sun and all of them looking very pretty very fun energetic and is that's 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 what that's what you want and that's what you're going to get with corona right it's not so you come to you get corona you see me you sit down on the, the beer <laughs> you sit and, down and, and then you have to pee in like 10 minutes because beer like goes right minutes. through you <laughs> let me tell you something about peeing it's not it's not pretty okay? yeah right that that's the part they never put on the commercials never put, you know have you noticed have you noticed that have you <laughs> have you noticed that 
they they never sh- they they don't show you the, like the the heroes pooping in movies. <laughs> like I've never seen I've never <laughs> seen a hero take a dump except for maybe if it's like for the plot plot progression. Like maybe there's a bomb he swallowed a tiny minuscule microscopic bomb that he has to just pass through his his bowels. <laughs> but beyond that, no one ever says anyway. You know what I'm just I'm going to take a five minute breather. Just got to go poo real quick. <laughs> <laughs> the, only thing, the only thing I always think of is I think about that guy in Jurassic Park. He's not the hero. He's like a bad guy, but he's yes. just like sitting on the crapper and then the dinosaur comes and eats him. <laughs> oh, what a way to go. Oh, what a, what a crappy way to go. Yeah, <laughs> right? But it's so true. Like, I think Steven Spielberg got it right on the nose. It's like, you know, there's a good chance that that's how you're going to die, right? It's not going to be like, you know, with a with a spear in your hand fighting to the no. end. It's going to be, like, oh, no. I, I just had to take a crap or or tie my shoes or something. I, and that, I had that's an attack on the on the on the seat. That's how most humans die. We don't die in a blaze of glory. We die pathetically. Yes. Die. I bring that up. I bring that the, the the lady up because I think that often that's how we see these things. This, you know, these these virtues. We don't really care about the virtues and what they mean. If you ask us what they mean, actually, we don't know. But we like to see ourselves in our minds. We like to see ourselves as those warriors, as those people who are in the, the, the symbols and the embodiments of those things so that we get the power, we get the recognition, we get, you know, we imagine ourselves speaking at uh, speaking at a, 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 some talk show, telling us telling about our, you know, our, our um, our life story our, our struggles yes <laughs> and, and, and then when i was 16 this teacher came up to me and you know like yeah we all you know and 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 i'm gonna be honest here like i'm definitely guilty of having fantasies of that of, of my own and stuff but i realize it's a problem I, I and i realize that that a lot of us probably have these fantasies but they're they're extremely dangerous because they're actually removing ourselves from reality it, it's really it, it's something i fight every single day to try and get those thoughts out of my head no, no, I, I, I agree. I, I totally agree. And it, it happens, dude, it happens to me too. I think it's a very natural human experience. But I don't think it's natural in the sense of personally, in the sense of, oh, yes, this is some, this is something that is, you know, um, that is totally healthy and for, perfectly fine for me to do. No, I think it's happened because I, I did not take advantage of my mind as a young lad, taught especially as a young lad to think right, to think properly, rather than having images projected on me. If you don't use your mind for yourself, your mind will be given to you by others. If you don't build your mind for yourself, it'll be given, it'll be transferred to you from, you know, by, by others. It's either going to be your parents, it's going to be your society, it's going to be your school, it's going to be your TVs, your, your TV shows, your music. Something has to take that mind space. You can't be an empty vessel of thoughtlessness. It's not possible. Something has to take its place. It's either you make it take you you build the space up, or someone's going to give you some, um, some boot from some some voodoo juju. Yeah, absolutely. I want to move back to humility. Before we do so, it, it's mm-hmm. also important to remember that a lot of these like like you don't even have to imagine yourself on a talk show. Just imagine a conversation with someone you love or something that you anticipate like okay next week i'm going to speak to uh, my grandpa or whatever it is and you have this you have this mental imagery of what that will look like but it's never that thing you may rehearse the things that you're going to say you may map out the things that you're going to say but there's always spontaneity and there's always like oh my grandfather has a, a, a cold right now and he's sneezing no matter how much you would have imagined that encounter to look like 
you probably didn't take into consideration, oh, my grandfather has a cold and now he's sneezing and then, you know, or, oh my God, you know, like halfway through this, he had to run to the bathroom or whatever, or uh, all of a sudden he got a phone call from blah, 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 from his doctor. You know, you, all of these variables always enter into the equation and no matter how much mm -hmm. mental preparation and imagery you create, you'll never actually be able to fully create what actually ends up happening if it actually ends up happening. You may never even have that conversation with your grandfather that you've been imagining for so long. Okay, yeah. back back to back to humility. So I think that I like that we've talked about like these um, mental constructions. And I think that in order to, to really to be humble, you have to kind of destroy all mental constructions of everything. And I think I think a part of that is removing yourself from positions of superiority. If you have any kind of ideation or visualizations of you walking into a room, giving a speech, everyone's like clapping and there's tears in their eyes, that will never be the reality. And when when you actually give that speech and it's not that thing that you imagined, you're going to hate humanity you're going to be like, well, they don't understand me. This isn't the way I imagined it to be. They're supposed to have tears in their eyes. They're supposed to be clapping right now. There's not supposed to be that guy in the corner coughing. There's not supposed to be that lady who has uh, this question that disagrees with my theory on whatever. All of these things are highly toxic and dangerous. So any anytime you have these images of you being superior, of there nothing going wrong, no one objecting to what it is that you're saying, you've already created a very dangerous space for yourself. But that's the thing. That's 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 the whole. This is the mother of disappointments. Yes. This is where disappointment comes comes. This is this is why people why people feel so unsatisfied. Or she's this word dissatisfied. Excuse me. Dissatisfied with their marriages. Dissatisfied with their kids. Dissatisfied with their work. Dissatisfied with their life. Dissatisfied with friends with situations because they always have these images that don't correlate with reality. They think that getting married, for example, is going to be just one big sex party after another, just one great one, <laughs> just one great good time, good time. No, it's not, bruv. Calm the hell down. You don't. You have no idea what you're dealing with. Or you think like having kids, having kids is going to be such a joy. It's such a joy. They're a blessing. Let me, let me tell you something, man. Blessings and poopy diapers are very very close i mean they, they are very very similar when it comes to kids man but let me tell you this real quick so and, and it's like you know uh, or you have this you know interaction with people you, you have this all the time especially when, when it comes to you know you want to do something nice for someone right and the person doesn't respond as happy happily or excited as you anticipated they would in your mind and all of a sudden you think you're ungrateful no you're not ungrateful because they, they should, you should never, have, if you were going to give them the gift, you should have given them the gift because you wanted to give them the gift, not because you want them to be grateful. Nobody has, nobody, nobody has, how you say, nobody has to be grateful for what you give them. But you have every, every authority and every, how you say, every responsibility to give them out of a genuine desire to give, not for any return whatsoever. Oh, beautiful man absolutely well said my friend i think i think that is so true because a lot of these uh ruminations of superiority they're not only projections of yourself but they're also projections of fictional reactions of the people around you i'll, I'll make it even super small right let's say you get someone a gift 
and you yeah. think it's the perfect gift. Like I know Kenny so well, he's going to really love this thing. And then you give the person the gift and they're like, oh, <laughs> lovely. Right. And, and then you can, you kind of know that that wasn't, that wasn't the uh, reaction that you were thinking. And, and what's going on with this is that you had a, a false rumination that you were going to get this perfect gift and that they would respond accordingly. And yeah. you know what I found in life when you give a gift, always provide a gift receipt. I don't care how, <laughs> how, per, no matter how perfect you think that gift is. I always ask the cashier, Hey, could, could I get a gift receipt with that please? Because I always know that whatever I think is going to be perfect for that person is not perfect for that person. It's just as simple as that. And that's what we need. That's what we need to start doing is we need to, to destroy these ruminations, start uh, destroying these theories of what, of what ideal, ideal states look like. I think once these ideal states have been completely destroyed, I think we have an, an actual chance of being decent folk. Mm, yes. Absolutely. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to do, but it's possible. It's, it's really possible because it, it causes so much unhappiness in our lives. And you would think that we'd stop it by now, but, you know, we, we, I guess we're gluttons for punishment. The, idea, the, ideas that's, the ideas that we hold about this world, we have never really tested. We never really tested them. Even something as simple as asking someone who's actually in the situation. But often those people lie to us. You know, you ask, you ask a married couple who's been married for like 20 years, How, what's your secret? And they say stupid things like, always listen to one another, always care for each other. It's like, shut up, shut up. You're like, <laughs> shut the hell up, okay? Because first of all, duh, that's what everybody says. But really, why is it working for you? And here's the thing, often it may not even be working for them. They might just get divorced the very next day, never next week, never very next month. But everybody wants, to, wants you to have the idea of them that you're fulfilling the thing. And so that's why it's very hard for young people to get advice today, because even the people who are supposed to give them advice have these crazy images of themselves giving advice to the young and don't even care about what's actually going on in their life. So the person who has who's having this horrible, 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 you know, situation in his marriage will never say, listen, kid, I got two words for you. Run away. Never do it. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, at least, at least that's honest. At least that's honest to his situation. You know what I mean? But the, the, the point is simply that the, I, the, the mental ideas we have often destroy, often, often destroy our interaction or our, the joy that we could, we could uh, the, 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 our enjoyment of reality. And, even, and, and those people who are the safeguards, the, key, the gatekeepers, the people who are supposed to help us ease into reality, are themselves delusional and so you find yourself in a world where all you have is you know pull yourself up by the bootstraps and start getting rid of, rid of these things through either you know um you're, well there are ways to get rid of them i'm not going to go into those but get rid of those ideas or you suffer the consequences and learn by experience i'm actually really glad that that you you just said that because I think it kind of actually reaches the heart of the matter. And I think, let's go to your married couple that's been married 20 years and they, let, let's say their marriage is completely falling apart at the seams, okay? Yeah. They're, they're on the brink of divorce and yet a young couple comes up to them, what's the secret to marriage? And they say, oh, just listen and do that and blah, blah, blah. But in reality, their marriage is completely in shambles. Mm -hmm. I think that is at the heart of the matter because that person is clinging 
to a form of superiority. They're still, they're clinging to superiority of like, no, 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 this marriage is under control. This is under control. This is why, you see, I, I think that when people cling on to things that are highly destructive, it's not mm-hmm. just because they're, they're not a Christ-like martyr, right? There's also this element of like, well, if I give up on this, that's a reflection of my ego or that's a reflection of me, right? If I give up on this marriage, it shows a certain level of weakness with myself that I couldn't overcome this. I couldn't fix it. Thinking about our evil person, evil people like to control everything, right? And I think we're both in agreement about that. If you're evil, you love to control everything around you from the curtains in your apartment to the way your marriage functions. You are a control freak. And when you have to give up on something, a marriage, a job, or whatever, well, you're abdicating control of something, right? And that's, that's contrary to evil. Evil loves to have its hands in everything. Everything goes through me. Every decision goes through me. If I can't control it, there's something wrong with it. Whereas I feel like our humble person easily relinquishes control. They're, like the good, like the humble person is like they flick the keys to their son and say, you know, why don't you drive the next 50 miles? Like, you know, th- that's what I imagine is that you just seamlessly give up control and you easily admit when things are outside of your control. I think that's what true humility is, is that you're, you have no desire to control and you, in, you instantly relinquish control when it, when, when it no longer serves you. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing that I want to talk about, cause we're, you know, we're almost at an hour here. Is it possible that let's just say we meet our control freak, I need to control everything. I think very highly of myself. Do you think there's a pathway that that person can follow to become humble? Or do you think this is just hard-coded into their DNA? No, 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 no. there's always a pathway now. I think people can change. I think anybody, I think anybody can change, you know? But I think the pathway is going to be different for each person. Because I don't think that's, um, I don't think life is a factory in the sense of it doesn't pump out the same kinds of people. It certainly doesn't pump out the same kind of situation. You know, it doesn't pump out the same, much of same of anything, really. Life is always, um, let's just say this, um, this world we're living in is very unique. And so I think that, the, the and, it, and it produces unique beings. So I think that people are, it doesn't matter how bastardly a person becomes. I think that is always an opportunity to change. And it, But I think that it's one of those things that you have to know the person. Because each, each opportunity for change is unique to the person. I, I struggle with this. I'm one, you know, I, I find that again, this is, this is very superficial advice, but I feel like if, if you are, and I, you know, there are tendencies that I have that are very controlling even to this day. And I think one easy thing that you can do is at least create a bucket of things that are within your realm and things outside of your realm. That was, you know, I, I learned about this maybe about a year ago is just that bucketing process, making a list of like, here are the things that I really am passionate about, or here are the things that I can control. And here are the things that I cannot. If I, if I make the recommendation of like, well, just surrender all control. That's actually a form of control. That's actually a form of control. If you say to yourself, well, I'm going to go from being a millionaire to being a pauper on the street, that's actually a form of control because now, now your ultimate desire or your ultimate goal is to show how you can live without control, which again is a form of control. But I think the yeah. easiest thing to do is just create a list, create some kind of list of things that you're going to hold on to, things you're going to let go. And let that, let that list change over time. Don't try and control how that list changes. Just create the list and then let life take its course. Some things will fall into your control. Some things will fall out of your control. Just don't be too mindful of what 
flows in and out of your control. Kenny, thank you so much. I certainly was humbled by our conversation today. So thank you. No worries. Thank you for having me. It was a great time. This concludes the 132nd episode of the Truth Island podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod.